an interesting story. There's a five years later situation, so follow up with Jason's story when you have time. But overcoming, he has autism, right? We all have situations where we all perfect. Please raise your hand if you're perfect. Please raise your hand if you have it all together. Please raise your hand if you don't eat all the sweets in the house or you're on the perfect diet or you have it all figured out relationship-wise or you're in love in the perfect relationship or you're in a perfect marriage. Please raise your hand so I can go get some of whatever you're having. <laughs> See, in this life we're, we're becoming to understand that we're going to have to overcome. How many of you have heard Mandisa's overcoming? I'm an overcomer. Forgive my voice. Stay in the fight till the final round. You're not going under. She's like, stop, please. <laughs> right. Do y'all know what I'm talking about, Mandisa? All right. It's a good song to listen to in the morning before you go to work or go to school. It's a great song to listen to. So I might wander away from this. Don't be distracted. So we have to overcome some things in life. We have to overcome that there are some obstacles. Now the question to you is, what are you going to overcome? Is it anger? Okay, don't raise your hand on this part. Fear? Illness? Sickness? Come on. Disappointment? Unforgiveness maybe? What about guilt? Anybody have guilt? Don't, don't raise your hand. Opposition, temptation. There's a lot of things to overcome. What is the word overcome? If, if we live with nothing else, I want you to remember two things. Overcome means to win. To win, okay? I, in preparation for this week, First of all, it's been a long week for me, and I'm sure it's been for you. Okay, I can just tell. Sometimes you just have that look where you barely make it to church. You're just thankful that the pot of coffee's there, and you can drag yourself in, right? You know, and as I sat there, and, and I couldn't help but shed some tears because this is a struggle that we're all going to share together. My struggle may not be like your struggle, but you have your own struggle, and you know what it is. God doesn't plan for this life to be successful for us because it is temporary. Amen? Okay. So being temporary, we have to go through some stuff. And as Christians or people who follow Christ actively, we should come in here tired. If we aren't tired, we probably aren't doing enough. You ever seen the guys that are fresh off the bench? I, I, didn't, I wasn't very good in high school sports, so I spent some time on the bench. But you're fresh. But the guys who come out of the game that need ice here and ice there, and, and you know, they're so valuable. Those people cannot miss because when they miss church, things don't go right. Then you have to have a brother like my brother here step in what you're doing a phenomenal job. But that's a calling. I got it. Send me. Does that sound familiar for those of you guys who read the, the Bible? Send me. I'll do it. But it's not so easy because when you do something good, guess what? They call you back. 
hey, brother, you did that really well. You sang, oh, praise God. Hey, I was wondering if you could, and ask my brother here, who is now probably going to attend or perform at my third, or our church's third music fest. Every time I see him, I'm like, October 24th, don't forget. He, he, I'm like, I don't care who's singing with you, you're booked, I got a spot for you. That's what happens when you do good things that are good. But I know that it's God working through him. I don't think it's him. I know that it's God's talents that he has given him and that he's put him to good use. And, you know, he might not know what he's going to sing up until that very minute, but he is willing. And that's the way we all should be. Scared. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know exactly what you're going to do. But I'm saying, here, Lord, I don't know. And it's not because of lack of preparation. It's because I just... I haven't felt it yet. It isn't real. I'm not trying to force this. This is something that you have given me, and I'm going to do the best that I can with it. My pastor Felix, first of all, I, he embarrasses me every time he does that. But but I, I love him to death because we share this, I don't know how to explain it, this point where as 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 men who are raised in the country who we're, you know, we're countrymen can survive, I guess. And we have this egotistical, you know, Hispanic nature where we can do anything, this machismo. And we're leading our, our flocks, our distinct minds a lot smaller and have youth, so they're a little, not dumber, but they're less wise. <laughs> so it's just like, bam, bam. But for you guys who are adults, it's more responsibility. He wears that yoke on his head. And carries his struggles, Sarah's struggles, their kids, and then your kids. And the Bible says he is duly responsible for your lives. And so I'm like, <laughs> he says, man, I can't wait for you to go to seminary. I'm like, nope, not going to happen. I'm not. You're a pastor. I'm a guest speaker, you know. But whatever, at the end of the day, whatever God wills, I'm going to do. I, it's a it's a very scary commitment. But today, I wanted to talk to you briefly. We know, how many of you have just, just quickly uh, touched on the book of Job before? Job, you know Job? Boy, he, he's had a great week, didn't he, when he had a pretty good week? No, it was horrible. Um, we're going to read the scripture. But before that, let me give you some hope. Okay, let's lean on the Bible because at the end of the day, my opinion is nothing. If we're not getting what we're learning from the living word of God, it is our interpretation. And I promise you, do not lean on my interpretation or any other pastor's. Lean on God's interpretation. And and seek him alone. And he's going to teach you and make you understand this alone. Love your pastor. Don't get me wrong. Just don't worship your pastor. Okay? And I know he'd agree with me. Okay. So, if you want to turn to the, you can turn to it, just listen to it. We're going, 1 John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Some really cool stuff here. Uh, no, I'm good here, brother. I still have my eyesight. I'm only 35. My birthday was yesterday. So, we're good. <laughs> he can't see. Okay. First John, this is the hope, you guys, and I want you to pay attention. I'm not going to take very long, okay? I'm going to try to wrap this up like if there was a cowboy game afterwards, okay? Here we go. 
The chapter is entitled, Our Victory Over the World. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Messiah is a child of God. Agree? Yes. And whoever loves a father loves his child also. This is how we know we love God's children. It is by loving God and obeying his commands. Easier said than done, correct? It's a little hard to love your neighbor when he's trees are over in your yard and the birds are all over your car and they party till two o'clock in the morning love thy neighbor remember that obey his commands verse three for our love sorry for our love for god means that we obey his commands and his commands are not too hard for us really because every child of god is able to defeat the world Focus on number four and five. This is so important right here. Because every child of God, you and me, is able to defeat the world. And we win. Remember what overcome meant? We win the victory over the world by means of our faith. Faith. Who can defeat the world? Only the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God of God. Okay. Put this away just for a second in your brain. We're going to touch on a few things. And we're going to start going back to the book of Job. You don't have to go there. I'm going to screen through it. This is kind of part two, and I apologize. My wife had to sit through my first <laughs> sermon last, uh, last week uh, opening the book of Job. But in the research of preparing over here, I had two things. I said, okay, what am I going to do? And then after 10 minutes of knowing that I have no idea what I'm doing, never, I realize I'm going to call on God and ask him, what do you want me to do? And the last time that happened, I ended up committing to a now three-year relationship. I'm now a youth pastor. Uh, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying this to boast, but I'm just telling you, you have to be careful. Because when you are ready to be activated by God and he feels that you are ready, watch out. Because he's going to give you a task. And today, church, I'm going to challenge everybody in here. I really, really want you to know, and, and your pastor is the perfect person to identify what your gift is. Everybody in here has a purpose. Every situation you go through this week has a purpose. Even the stuff that, yeah, you're like, no, there's no way getting a flat on SPID in the rain had a purpose. It did. Believe that. No, Moses, that fight that I had, you know, or the relationship or what I read on Facebook about my ex-boyfriend that had nothing to do with it did. It was something that needed to be brought to light, something that needed to slow you down, something that you needed to realize and is out of your control. And the moment that you understand that is the moment that you understand that it is well with my soul. The moment you understand that I am not in control of what's going on here. I'm a pawn in a game, in a piece of a puzzle, and he is in control. And at the end, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. I heard that when I was a kid 50,000 times. I never paid attention to what it meant. But hindsight just means looking back, it's very clear. Some people say in this scenario, when the officer gets beat or there's a shooting, oh, well, I would have done this and I would have done that. Well, guess what? That person didn't have 10 seconds to think about what they did. They had to react. 
So sometimes you and I will make a mistake or do something or say something, church, to people you love and didn't mean it. And it's so hard to get back. You squeeze a bottle. Get, get your Colgate tomorrow. Wives, I'm sorry if you do the shopping, but if you don't believe me, get your Colgate and squeeze it all out. And then put it back in. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going back in there. So when you say things or when you do things or when you type out a post or send a message or, or say hurtful things, you cannot get them back. Those are mistakes. And even those have a purpose. It doesn't seem like it at the moment, but they do. What Job went through had a purpose. Job, at this time, he's wealthy. Uh, maybe not like Donald Trump wealthy, but he's wealthy. We won't go there, I promise you. But he's wealthy. In that time, if you owned lots of sheep and cattle and ox and, and camels, you were rich. And if you had a large family, you were rich. If you had, uh, uh, if you, you were blessed, you were known. If you ate well, you were rich. If you were my size, you were rich. Now you got problems if you're my size. Okay, I feel you see so that's my defense sometimes I'm blessed <laughs> I don't want to be on those commercials just for a penny a day you can no <laughs> I don't want to be there I'm okay I can survive about a week or two without anything <laughs> okay um, Job was a happy man he had plenty of ox plenty of goats plenty of sheep Oh, man. I think of Job when I have a problem. And I think of how good God is to me. Let's just recap what happened to Job, okay? Pull this out real quick. Imagine this. You're having a regular day, okay? A messenger comes to Job and says, Sir, I have some bad news for you. The ox were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. The enemies from the east came by. They attacked. They stole the animals. They killed your servants. And I'm the only one that has escaped to tell you this. Whoa. Everything I own. It's like saying, hey, buddy, uh, Raytheon, that's out. Everything you've ever owned, everything you've ever saved for is gone. And I'm not even done, you're not even done registering that thought. When I come and I say, um, the problem was, he was barely done with getting that message before another person came along and said, Sir, I have some bad news for you. We were out in the field watching your sheep, and sir, the worst lightning storm I have ever seen crashed down from the sky. Within minutes, all of your sheep were dead, and the shepherds were killed along. And sir, I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you this. How do you react then? You're still trying to process the ATM situation. Now, some other situation is gone. This is in the very, very beginning of, of Job. He was barely done speaking when yet another messenger comes. Are you serious? Right? Sir, I have some very bad news. Enemies from the south came sweeping down and stole all of your camels and killed your servants. And I'm the only one left alive to tell you this. 
unbelievably. He was barely done speaking, and even another servant came along and said, Sir, you need to sit down for this one. I have terrible news. Your sons and all your daughters, you know, they get together and they eat together on the weekends. They were feasting and drinking in their oldest brother's house when a tornado swept and smashed the house and all of them in it. And sir, they are all dead. And I'm the only one that has escaped to tell you. You know, uh, (laughs) a hundred things run through my mind. One is why. Why me? What did I do? This is a man who is faithful to the Lord. Now let's take a step back. Moments before... Satan is doing his thing. He's prowling around. He's cruising around, right? We know the story. And he wants to test someone. So Jesus allows him to test Job. Keyword, allows him. The devil has no authority to do anything. He needed to seek the authority from God. Isn't that amazing? So remember, when things are going or not going your way, God is still in control. Do you understand that? He allows things to happen for certain reasons. So why would he do that? Why would he put Job in such a strenuous situation? Because he knew that he was faithful. He knew, he said, try my Job servant. Do whatever you want, just don't hurt him. So he did that. Later on, I'm going to speed up. Later on, he tested him even further. And he said, you know what? Go ahead. Push it some more. Just don't kill him. So, of course, we know that he gave him a disease, and it was horrible. I, I don't want to minimize it, but it'll take forever to describe the disease. It was large sores, and he broke pottery. He scraped off the sores. At that point, his wife is saying, are you crazy? Why don't you just curse your God? Quit praising him through the storm, like the song just said, and just die. Your own wife, the person you love, the person you have chose to be your backbone, the person who's supposed to tell you it's going to be all right, says, get over it. Your job is done. Your God is not good to you, and you should just curse him and die. And he said, naked I came, and naked I will leave. I came to this world with nothing, and I'm going to leave with nothing before I curse my God. That is faithfulness. That is faithfulness that you cannot find unless you have gone through something. And so this is the purpose of Job. And we know how that story ends, correct? As I'm studying this, I ask the Lord, like I said, what do you want me to do? And he tells me, like you told me back in March uh, 20, March 12th, I think, March 23rd, 2012, Go speak to, and I'm like, oh, man, who are you going to send me to speak to? See, because I pray. I pray like you pray. And I've gotten to pray even less King James Version-ish now. i just kind of like, Lord, you know what I'm going through. I mean, please help me. Because he wants to talk to me. He wants to walk with me. And he doesn't want me to say, 
and and I'm, I'm on be the only one. You know, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for so and so. I just I love you and I, I need you and just you know help me with these bills and just Father, you know, you're so good and and uh, help me with my aunt and and this and this in Jesus' name, I, Amen. And you just jump in the bed because the bed is just all you want to do and you just want to go to sleep. But you remember to pray. And so you're proud of yourself. What, what God wants you to do is sit with him for a moment. Give him what's right, not what's left over of your day. Sit there and listen. And you're not going to get a Facebook message. Your phone's not going to ding. It's not going to go off into an email. You're not going to get this, you know, beaming light, unless you all do, in which, hey, by all means, if God talks to you like that, you got it made, but I don't. I have this voice, which I sometimes mistake for my conscience, that tells me, okay, are you listening? Be quiet. Go speak to your uncle. Or he'll send someone like you, or just some random little kid. People think I'm crazy because I get a lot of advice from little people. But they know what they're doing. The whole concept of even preaching last week at my church was, was brought from a little girl who said, Moses, I want to do what the teenagers do. They do, they do uh, skits, and I want to do one too. But I'm like, well, you're too. And as I'm saying, I'm thinking, mm. what am I going to tell them? They're too young? That is not what the Bible says. <sighs> okay. So I get motivated, and I start looking for videos, and I start doing the research that I was doing, and I'm having to think, okay, Moses gets strategize they're young and i've been in production and music for all my life so this is easier my brother who does social media i'm looking up for all kinds of uh skits and stuff online and things that i can use to make it cool and easier and guess what we showed up to the first rehearsal and the girl who's supposed to be leading the deal is absent <laughs> and i'm stuck with four little girls who are arguing with each other two are twins that can't keep their hands off each other. And the next rehearsal, those four who I teach for an hour so hard, none of those show up, and I have four brand new ones the next week. So everybody I've taught the skit to is not there. And that's the little things that Satan says, you really want to serve me? Oh, yeah, check out this curveball. And then the other family that I'm trying to work with, their parents don't let them go because they don't know Christ. So every which way I'm getting shot at, boom, boom, but I'm not canceling the date. I'm still focusing on my message because she gave me the message. Now I know what I'm studying. She's the one who said, I want to perform to overcome her. Where started, where this whole process started, where the prayer started. And guess what? The day of the event, the little kids were there. She was there. God provided, and it went off great. You know? So as I prepare for this sermon, my uh, the voice says, go and speak to your uncle. And I thought, oh, my pastor? And he says, no, the other one, Eleazar. He's the oldest. He's the patriarch of the family. And he's been going through two total knee reconstruction surgeries. I'm going to try to end this here shortly. And he is 82 years old. If you know what a total knee reconstruction surgery, Google that and don't do it anywhere near lunchtime because you are going to freak out on what that is. It sounds easier, but it is like very medieval and it is insane. 
they literally open you up, chisel you, saw you in half. It is crazy. And they put this other metal stuff in there. It's phenomenal. So he goes through one. Then he recovers a bit, attends our wedding, and goes to another one. And on the second one, and this is a man who works constantly. He is a man who has been blessed with the ability to uh, work on anything that requires remodeling, construction, a very brilliant man, a very man solid in, in the foundation of God, very important to the church. So it is hindering, his absence is hindering everywhere. Our houses haven't been done in a long time. Anything that's been broken within our family hasn't been fixed right. Anything, everybody's hurting without this man. But we know that he has to go through this process. So at the end of this whole situation, he comes out of the second surgery, and he's not healing right. He's having spasms in the middle of the night. This is, this is October, and this is just still going on. So it's a long five, six, seven-month process of pain. He's been falling as a, an older man in, in, the, uh, in the bathtub. He's been falling at home. His wife is taking spills with him, trying to help him because she's a good wife. And she's there by his side all the time. So this is very, it blows your ego as a Hispanic male to rely on so many people. And he is still trying to get better because he's not satisfied by being in a wheelchair. He's not satisfied by not walking. So he keeps pushing. But something else is preventing him. So he goes back for a third Surgery that has to require invasive nerve surgery through a third spinal column because they figure out that's the problem to the recovery. It has nothing to do with the two robot knees that he has. And so I go and I sit with this man who I haven't seen in a month or two, and I feel very bad. But I go and I sit down. I brought him some lunch because that always works. And I said, and I said, I want to talk to you. He doesn't understand technology so easily I can push the button on my phone, slide it right there, and he doesn't know I'm interviewing him the whole time. And I asked him two very simple questions. I had like 10 to ask him, but only two came up. And he says, I said, you know, in these eight months or seven months that you've been going through this, did you ever feel alone? And he said, no. And I was about to repeat the question, right? Because maybe he can't hear, he can't hear very well. And he said, no, I was never alone. I said, never? No. He said, I was alone before I came to Christ. But ever since then, I've never, ever felt alone. And I said, wow. I said, so what would you do when you would fall or when, when the nurses would tell you you're not going home for a few months or when your family was trying to figure out the technical, the, the, the medical terminology and trying to, you know, do what, what good physicians do. He said, I would trust God. He goes, Moses, it's this simple. When you're weak and your body is weak and you are ill or your mentality is ill, you must remain spiritually strong and be faithful. Remember we talked about our faith? We must remain faithful because he is faithful to us. 
He will never leave you, never forsake you, says Hebrews 13, 5. Through all of your situations that you have to overcome this week, through all the situations that you're dealing with, through your finances, and I mean everything. Don't think that God doesn't understand, uh, like I was telling you in my last sermon. Uh, yeah, well, you know, God might not get what it's like to, to you know, social network or to, to build a, a small business or to focus on photo, you know, well, I'm sure you have all, all the computer lingo that looks sounds like Chinese to me. But God gets it all. He understands that. And when you don't think that he cannot read the last few chapters of Job, he describes Job. I store the snow that falls in the, in the winter. I control the lightning that strikes here but not there. I control. He goes on and describes a million things. Maybe not a million, but they sure sounded like it. That he is in complete control of, which we don't have any understanding, which is the word science. That's what that means, the unexplainable. And it's, don't try to understand it. It's God. That's what science is. When you don't know the answer, it is him. And he's in control. So when you don't think that he understands what it is that you have to overcome, he's going to say, haven't I? God bless you. Haven't I gotten this? I'm in control of everything. I own the gold. I own the silver. You worried about finances? You, know, you worried about your relationship? I control her too. Seek me first. I will take care of this. You cannot take care of this. You cannot. You want to change somebody? You can't do it. Teenagers. I wish there was more teenagers. Oh, but I love him. He loves me. He's coming to church with me. You're not going to change that person. Do you remember how hard it was to change you? And did you change you? You sure didn't. His grace changed you. And he changed me too. So why even try to change someone else? Introduce them to the God who can. Bring them here. And church, last but not least, I'm going to call it quits here is I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you today to, to help out here at this church. I see some of you who've been here before, and, and you know who you are, who are committed. This isn't a, uh, I'm not going to point anybody out, but I'm going to challenge you because we can make it if we work together. There's people in this church right now that don't, think that they have the commitment level of what it takes. And you're right. You probably don't. But God does. He can use you. He used people, and he turned people. I mean, you saw what he did with Peter. and You, you saw what he did with Moses. You saw what he did with everyone who always had some sort of disability who couldn't. But with him, he could do anything. These people we still talk about today in the most written red book in the world. And they were common fishermen. They were common thieves. They were prostitutes. So don't tell me that God cannot use you. Don't tell me that he can't overcome the situation that you are going through. And don't tell me that he doesn't understand. Because he does understand. He gets it all. 
He's in control of everything. It's a piece of the puzzle that when it's all over, because this life is temporary, we don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. We don't know if we walk out there right now that there will be an 18-wheeler plowing down. I hope that doesn't happen. But I want you to know that you've heard this message. And there is purpose for you. There's hope for you. Just be faithful. Do what's right. Do what's, And if you don't, repent. That just needs to turn doesn't mean I'm going to slap you with a big old bucket of water or hit you with the Bible. Just turn. Say, Lord, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say that. I can't put that toothpaste back in the tooth. So just forgive me, please, and let that person feel that I forgave them. Church, I want you to, to help and pray for your pastor. I, I spoke to him this week, and I want you to pray for us at Exodus Project. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, he totally plugged our our clothing line, right? He turned that into like a like a commercial. That was so funny. That is crazy. It's got something wrong with that man, but I love him to death. We share this passion for these for 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 you guys. We share the passion, and you know what's funny is these these churches like like the one I'm like you guys is just like my church back home. Is we're small. And we're faithful, but he knows everything you're going through. He knows you're not just a number to him, to your pastor. I promise you that he is praying for you by name, by situation. And he is hoping, he's carrying all these shoulders. And y'all know, you know your financial situations of this church. I know mine. I know we're trying to put together a roof that costs $102,000, I believe. Our treasures here right now. I have her. They're probably wondering where she's at. <laughs> but it's an impossible task for us. We have probably as many people as you have right here. And most of them are kids. Where are we going to get the money? We don't have faith. And he's proven himself time and time and time and time and time again. Okay. So that's the encouragement I'm going to have. If you guys will stand up with me, let's stretch out. We're going to pray real quick, and uh, we'll end the service. We're going to pray for the offering, too. I believe there's an offering. At least I heard. I'm going to pray for that as well, okay? Bow your head. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Thank you for this little bit of a chance to be a cheerleader, Father God, for you. I'd, I'd love that opportunity to, to get this group and encourage them, Father. You know what they're going through. You know their personal situations. You know their problems. You know my problems, Father God. You know the situations that keep us binded and keep us depressed and stressed, Father God. And I ask you, in the name of Jesus, that we remove those, Father. You say that when there are two or three gathered in your name, that you are in the midst of us, Father. Today, we place those situations and we cast them upon you, Father, knowing that you say who you are, Father. You, we believe that you are able and willing to take everything upon this. Father, we just, we're so blessed to be healthy, to be here, to be loved. Father, we pray for this church. We're here for our church. That you continue to give us that strength and that courage, Father God, to overcome whatever situation may come. And that when it is done, that we will say, it is well. With my soul, Father. Whatever plot you give us, whatever task, whatever situation, that it is well. We will praise you through the storm. We will use the story of Job, Father, to give us strength when our days are bad and say, you're in control. Father, we put this offering in your hands. We ask that you goes to good use. 
Take everybody home safely. Forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.